Country Podcast Edition. I've always been around great songwriters and artists my whole life. I'm Michael Knox. Welcome to my world. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jason Aldean, and you are listening to my boy Michael Knox on Knox Country Podcast. Welcome to the Knox Country Syndicated Radio Show Podcast. We are here with award winner Adam Schoenfeld, songwriter, bad to the bone, lead guitarist, by the way. Producer. Thank you. I've won an award. Record producer, too. Ish. Well, man, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I've known you a very long time. Yes. But I want you to start back before me and you met each other, because you used to be in a lot of rock bands, a lot of jam bands, mm-hmm. and then you made your way into this. Where I met you, you were playing live shows right. when I first met you, but you were also working a lot with John Rich and playing in some of those bands that he was kind of mm-hmm. working through you know, in, in his second tier of his career. So tell me how that all kind of started about you kind of coming onto Music Row. Well, I think you know it was the Big and Rich thing. Um, which was about the same time we met. But I had, uh, I actually got the gig playing for Big Kenny's solo project before Big and Rich. And then he lost his deal. And then him and I, he and I formed a band. Um, and what was that called? Some, Lovejoy with some friends. When that disbanded, Big and Rich kind of happened. And they asked me to come along, mostly in the studio before, actually before the deal, doing demos with them, with Kenny and John in the country world. Yeah in that genre now my brother met you a long time ago like yeah. jamming in some barn right. somewhere you know I, yeah i'm and i'm still having tr- trouble placing that <laughs> that um, sounds sketchy um, it was you know, five years past your memory yeah <laughs> i don't have those those memories anymore but the um, first time i met you the first time john introduced me to you was at sony studios right you were leading his session or yeah something. that's where we were doing all his demos and that whole thing started with that um it was this Katie Darnell girl. I don't know if you remember that um, song she wrote. It was a girl. She was in Vanderbilt Children's Hospital, and Kenny and John and I went and sang for these kids to cheer them up. And we went in her room, and, and she said, well, I want to sing you guys a song. And it just kind of blew our blew our mind. And I remember going home, and I, I, think, I, I think we had texting ability back then. <laughs> I texted John, and I said, hey, man, we need to – we need to go record that song and he texted me back already on it you know he had already thought about it and um and so we all went in the studio but that was the first time john used me in the studio okay and it was with session guys um and then um martina mcbride ended up cutting that song for katie um and katie passed on but that was the that was the entrance into you know kind of if you could say country quote i'm doing quotes for the people that can't see me um that was kind of the the entry there and then i started doing all his demos and and in the interim kenny and i were doing lovejoy still and john would come up on stage and do lovejoy with us he'd sit in with us and cowboy troy would sit in and and the the end part of it is kenny telling us that he wants that to be uh lovejoy would be would be Lovejoy as it was, a four-piece rock band with John Rich and and Cowboy Troy. And, of course, we were all like, sorry, <laughs> this is a rock band. And we you know nothing against Troy and John, you know. They're, they're friends of mine and, and had no issue with them personally. It was just we were kind of stubborn young kids that wanted to have a rock band. And it was fun that those guys came and sat in with us. But when it came to the big picture... 
we were a rock band, you know. I saw y'all play once at 12th and Porter. 12th and Porter, yeah. And yeah. dude, you were a rock god. Oh, thanks. You were a guitar, major guitar slinger. What happened? You know, I know. It, it, you're still doing it, <laughs> you know. And and um, um, so that's the first time I saw you play. And, and, and I think that was around the same time, um, you know, I started working with Jason, too. Mm-hmm. And we had always joked about trying to get you two guys to do a duet thing together right. as well, but that was right. kind of a little later on. Right. But, yeah. but, um, but then you know, Big and Rich started doing the Music Mafia thing, right? And then they got record deal. Yeah. And then you went on the road with them, and you were their main guy. You yeah. were their guitar player. Yeah. Save a horse, ride a cowboy. You were the you were that sound, that guitar sound. Yeah. And you know, so it kind of was that a fast thing. Was that a couple of years, or was it pretty fast? Well. I'd say it was pretty fast. I mean, I think it was probably less than a year after Lovejoy disbanded, you know, and maybe the Mafia had been going on for a full year, maybe, that Kenny called me and said, guess what, me and John got a record deal. Can you believe that? And I was like, uh, yeah, I actually, I can. <laughs> but you Because <laughs> I just quit, so it makes sense that you guys got a record deal. <laughs> hey, uh, maybe we should do that band thing we yeah, were talking about. That? No. <laughs> no. But you went in and you played the whole record. You mm-hmm. were the lead guitarist of the yeah. band. You went on the road with them. And, yeah. and you saw that whole, that whole thing. But, I mean, I remembered everybody trying to protect you from other people trying not to make sure that somebody don't outbid them to get you or or to use you in the studios i i, I remember those things because yeah. at that time in country music we you know guys like me were wanting to do this yeah we just didn't have the talent to do it right. in nashville at that time now there were great guitar players but there were no guitar slingers there were no no lenny kravitz there was no heavy metal you know in, right. in, in country music at that time you know those guys that play that kind of guitar well, and I think that's why I ended up needing to leave that camp, you know, because I, I was getting getting to where I was a little too settled in, yeah, you know. And at the same time, we had we had been doing the Aldean stuff, you know, that started up, and you know, and of course they were all related, you yep. know. Come to think about Hicktown, which I think refresh my memory, Hicktown was the only song I played electric on, yeah, on the yeah, first yeah record, uh, right? on the very first record, and yeah. and. And, and um, acoustic on half of the record, and no, you, you well, play. You, Michael, you have to tell the story. Yeah, about yeah, no, this. I, I will. I hired you to come in and play acoustic on the whole record, right? Because I wanted somebody to play acoustic like an electric, right? So I'm like, yeah, man. Well, I'll use Jason's band, right? Jack Sizemore and Kurt were playing electric on the whole album, yeah. And I said, man, and I'll hire Adam to do acoustic because so it will sound rock and roll right so you were in here you were doing your thing everything was cool and we were stump stumbling all over hicktown i was like man it just ain't right right something ain't right and i said and and i said hey adam man play that riff do you have your stuff with you and you went out to your car got Mm -hmm. your guitar got your amp brought it in you go guys i gotta be somewhere but i'll run through this and and what you hear on the hicktown record was your one take of showing kurt and jack how you played it on the demo <laughs> that's right and and yeah. you left and right when you left me pete, i think even um you know uh, there were several of us here but me and pete looked at each other and i was like yeah man we're gonna keep that you know <laughs> pan it to two o'clock and let's leave that's, you know it's and, interesting to hear the story from this side yeah that's yeah, cool yeah. and i'll put a fiddle in on the solo right because you didn't have time to play the solo yeah that's the only reason there's a fiddle on that song is because you left and i'm like yeah, man, we don't have time to come back in. You know, our budgets were tight back right, then. Right. You know, it was like a four dollar record. Yeah. And and <laughs> you know, so so we we had a fiddle guy coming in on another song, and I just put him on Hicktown, and um, and that's Hicktown. That's the only song you right. played electric on on the whole record. Right. 
But um, let's go back a little bit because you you were doing a lot of showcases too for guys, mm-hmm. and you you did some with Jason. You were doing some things. Did you like being the gun for hire? I mean, was that a cool thing for you? you know, yeah, you know, it was all cool for me. You know, I, it, it was no matter what it was, I was playing guitar. So it, it kind of no matter what it was, the fact I think at that point. The fact that people were asking me to come play and paying me money to do it was like, okay, dream came true. I'm doing it. I'm actually making a living playing guitar. And that was the the big thing. Yeah. You know, I think still to this day, if I had time to do that, I would do it and enjoy it. But, you know, I don't necessarily have time to do that kind of well, thing. Well, the big thing I like talking about is that transition because it's I work with a lot of musicians and I worked with a lot of showcase musicians. And to find guys that can play in a showcase environment or play live and then bring them into the studio and they play to that level, too, because it is two different things. Mm-hmm. That That's what a lot of musicians kind of don't get. They think because they're this awesome live player that they can just walk in a pair of headphones and play. And it really isn't like that. And and, and it's it's a hard thing to understand. I mean, did you did you find it difficult or was it more something like you were? Um, I took it as you were an artist and we were trying to get what you were doing and maybe that's what made it easier. Maybe. I mean, I, it wasn't, it wasn't difficult for me. I guess I, I just always kind of came from this, this world of wanting to get it right. And so when I had my first opportunities in studios, I just, just really went for it and worked for it you know and of course before you met me what didn't hurt was my first few years in nashville working at woodland studios and yeah you know i got paid to answer the phone but i was in the studio one of three studios all day long every day if it was available and late at night cutting my teeth whether it be with bob the owner who had a publishing company or whether it be with my friends yeah um so did you have a home studio then <laughs> a home studio was a Tascam Porta One back then. <laughs> well, or or you know, or ADATs, but I didn't have ADATs. I had a four track cassette. That's what I had. Recorded yeah, my Porta One. So, but but I mean, where did you learn? Where did you? I mean, I'm sure it's just trial and error. But I'm trying to get to a thing where because I watch you and Pete, my, Peter Peter Coleman's my engineer. Mm-hmm. And I watch y'all talk and and y'all have a similar language. But y'all have never been together. Yeah. You know, so yeah, so yeah. I, it's like, hey, man, move that microphone a quarter of an inch yeah. or do this. Because when you're playing live, you just turn yeah. it up. Yeah. You know, it's all about juice. It isn't about quality. You know, you learn things. That's the other thing that like, so a guy that, that might be amazing on stage that is, has, he may be missing elements that you need in the studio. And he may only be missing them because of lack of experience. You know, you know, for example, um, I was on a session, not going to name names, but back in those days, I was on a session, maybe a couple of years after we really got into the thick of it and I felt a little more confident and the guitar just sounded awful in my headphones. It was just, this is, this is wrong. And I had to approach the engineer. It was you, Brandon. No. <laughs> uh, I had to approach the engineer and, and say, what, what are you doing to my guitar? I mean, it's. Well, you know, nothing. It's just, you know, blend of these mics on it. And I'm like, blend of these mics. Okay. I walked down and I saw five mics on my cabinet. And I saw the one kind of mic I would have put on my cabinet and put it in the place I liked it and left the other ones close to wherever they were and walked back upstairs to the engineer. And I said, please just give me the 57 in my ears. Yeah. You know, and once you did that, 
it sounded perfect. Yeah, yeah. So had I not done that, I would have been miserable the whole session. I probably wouldn't have played as well because when when it's knowing things like that, you know, it's like one time on a session with Dan Huff producing, I was playing a three thirty five, and I just no matter how much I tuned the the note the, the every string, you know. Every time I played this chord, it seemed out of tune. The guitar was intonated, strings were in tune, and and uh, Dan was like, "You playing a 335?" He said, "Why don't you do this next time? I want you to try it when you get to just that string in the chord in your strum. Lighten up your touch just at that string, at the G string, and then you know follow through." And so I played it, which and that was an interesting and difficult thing to do, to play five strings one with one intensity and just kind of lighten up for one um but lo and behold all of a sudden that chord was in tune yeah what was the you know, what was the reasoning just just when you hit it a little harder you know that it made it sound sharp and out out of tune you know so if you softened up just on that one it it kind of just brought it down in pitch enough to where it settled in with the others enough but dan knowing that is because he experienced that yeah whereas had no one in the room experienced that we would have been sitting there for several more takes going it's just not in tune the tuner says it's in tune you know it's just like so that that kind of thing so those those live guys you know there's a whole bunch of experience they just might be missing some of them may not be good in the studio at all i mean anyway, i was about to say but, don't underestimate the gift you have because well, it takes us i think a special artist to be such a um a personality on stage mm-hmm. and you can see that when when someone watches you play live i mean you do have a personality you're an artist and then in the studio to create things that really only you could do i mean so you know just don't underestimate yeah, i appreciate that you know your gifts well thank you i i use a lot of guitar players yeah. and and your hands down my favorite guy you know to use you're my band leader hear that everyone yeah <laughs> 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 This is Adam Schoenfeld, and you're listening to Knox Country. Podcast. Well, you're my band leader in the studio, so, um, but I see the look in your eyes, too, while you're playing. Yeah. And I think that's the difference, too, sometimes. Some people are showing up to play, yeah. and some people just play it still gets me off man yeah. playing that hitting that chord playing those notes you know trying trying to get it right yeah. it's like i just love doing it and and, and i feel that me and you probably have cut 20 records together eight on jason yeah probably eight or eight or ten on other people and and i still sit in here and record with you like like i still get excited like it's the first time I'm hearing. Well, I you do too. Play. Every time I play, you know, part of that for me comes from feeling like I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, you know, there's part of that. It's just like it's part. I don't know what I'm doing. What's going to come out? And wow, I'm getting to do this still. But I think you that's know? the artist in you because surely a great artist doesn't show up every day with you know with a planned life. Surely an yeah. artist walks in and soaks the room up and and, so. and turns it on that way. But yeah. um, but now okay, so you're out on the road with Big and Rich. Mm-hmm. I mean, back then, man, they were playing stadiums. It was a big yeah. deal. You, you yeah. went from a, a garage you don't even remember, a barn you don't even remember, <laughs> to these stadiums. Yeah, to these monster stadiums. So I've always considered you, you know, a, a very sharp mind. So you you've always had a production mind. You've always had a songwriter mind, maybe just not knew how to put it all together. Right. So how did that first thing do when you're walking by and you're like, well, John, I want to write a song. 
Yeah. I want to write a song because y- y'all and him did collaborate and had CSAC Song of the Year. Well, yeah, and, and that one, you know, interestingly enough, that specific song, Mississippi Girl, that wasn't me approaching John. There were plenty of times where, you know, I ended up approaching him and wanting to write with him because he's such a good writer. Um, that one, oddly enough, was I was on the bus and he came up on the bus and and said, hey, man, I got the song idea. You want to write it with me? And and I think if if my memory serves me correctly my lucky day he was gonna write it with kenny and kenny wasn't feeling good and said why don't you go write it with adam yeah and uh so he came up on the bus invited me to write it and had the half of the idea and we worked on it i think 30 minutes that day you know because artists don't have much time on the road so and i think we revisited it another 30 minutes another day if even 30 minutes yeah and um then next thing I know, he was playing it for Faith, and she was liking it, and then she was recording it. Yeah, that's awesome. And and that was a huge number one for her. It was. It um, was. Like I said, CSAC Song of the Year. Yeah. Now, were y'all on the road with Faith? Were y'all touring with her That or was the, on the first Big and Rich tour. We were opening for Tim, and she was out there okay. with him. Yeah. Is that where you met Tim? That is, yeah. Yeah, because today, you are Tim McGraw's lead guitarist. Yeah. Yeah. So was you know I I don't want to jump too much because there's some things in the middle I want to talk about. Yeah. But did that help? I mean, was that where that relationship started? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And and in fact, just you know to go too far with the story before we get to the middle bits, you know, when he was trying to get, I found this out later after I got the gig. He said, you know, I I had asked if I could if I asked Denny, our band leader if he thought we could get out that's cool so he had asked any of that before i had reached out you know i got the gig because i sent an email to tim you know but but i think i would have been asked regardless so yeah, yeah. it was kind of interesting but yeah it's all because of that relationship he liked the way i played from back then and we got along fine and and uh so yeah and then boom here we are all right well you you got mississippi girl mm-hmm. you got this csac song of the year yeah um did that lead into publishing deals i mean because well yeah it did um kenny gave me publishing deals as part of so part of my deal with big and rich was not only was i a side man but kenny gave me a great publishing deal for three years yeah which was which was awesome um and you know i wish i chased the songwriting bit a little more back then you know as you know you you've seen my journey with songwriting mm-hmm. um I, I feel like i'd be that much better now had i chased it more back then but that success from that song and the money from the, the publishing deals and all that really enabled me to be able to be the guitar player yeah because when there was two weeks that went by that i didn't have a gig I didn't have to worry and go pour coffee because I had money from writing songs. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so I didn't necessarily use getting a hit song to my advantage as a songwriter at the time, but I did use it to my advantage in solidifying myself as a professional musician. Yeah, but you know, but you you were busy playing, mm-hmm. you know, and some people don't understand. Sometimes you do have to pick. Mm-hmm. I mean, because yeah. it's hard to write on the road when you're working on the road yeah it's easy to ride on the road when you're showing up yeah hanging out yeah you know and, yeah. and you know it, yeah. it's a different philosophy i it mean is. but when you're when you're living on the road yeah and it, it, it probably gets tough to find some some of that type of inspiration well yeah to find that inspiration to be yeah there's definitely a difference like now when i'm home off the road i, I want to write something every day yeah you know because 
and yet something about the motion that you get on the bus that makes me want to write but when you get into the the routine of it you know the oh we're waking up on the bus in the parking lot we're going in our hotel room it's like oh i told so and so i'd write today how oh, do i even have the energy you know there's something and the about, parties didn't yeah the party side of the road doesn't help <laughs> well well there's that too back then well yeah if you want to talk about back then yeah i actually wrote more back in the party days did you yeah in the party days with big and rich i think i was writing every day i was in in the back of the bus in fact you know kudos to all the guys in that band and and Maybe they gave me this respect because, you know, I was the band leader and, and all that stuff. But I kind of took over the back lounge. I never, I always tried to be inviting, but the guys always never bothered me and let me sit in that back lounge and write all the freaking time, all yeah. the time. And occasionally, like Ethan, who played bass with us, would come back and write with me. And But I feel like I commandeered that whole space and was always doing it because I was... You know, you're young, you're you're in a new world, and it's it's fun. Whereas now, being older, you get on the road, and it's like, yeah, I'm going to write. And then, ah, sorry, dude, I just don't have the inspiration, because, you know, the, <laughs> my walk now. to Starbucks <laughs> was a little too long. Well, and, but you, know, but, but you got to remember, I mean, back then, your inspiration is probably a lot lighter, you know, in, in subject matter, where it's just right. like... You know, oh man, I'm inspired, man. Well, let's just let's write a song about a girl on a guy's shoulders. Right. Today you're an older guy, yeah. but you ain't old. I mean, yeah. I mean, but you're older, and your, your inspiration might be the big song. Right. Yeah, I, I need to write something that means because I've lived so much. Well, that's I true. I want to write something yeah. that reflects what Quality I've lived. Quality over quantity. Yeah, yeah. Kind of comes into into play. I mean, so yeah. I mean, when you're younger, man, yeah. so I, I could outwrite Elton John at 14. <laughs> I just had you somebody know? hand me four four compact discs. If you remember what those are, yes, of my catalog, my catalog that I had <laughs> about that time, four discs worth of stuff I wrote, and I just sat and listened to most of it. So there must be, I don't know, 60, 70 songs. Yeah. And I think I like six of them, <laughs> you know. But you could write the crap and not give a shit. When you're young, you'll just write it all. You'll throw it all at the wall and most of it will drip right off and a couple will just stick. So know? how was that? We're in the studio. We're cutting laid back on Jason Aldean mm-hmm. that you wrote, you know, mm-hmm. you co-wrote. And you're playing guitar on it. Do you find yourself like trying a little harder <laughs> uh, you or know critiquing what? it a little more <laughs> no you know what i had to I, that i remember in that moment just kind of consciously trying to pretend it wasn't my song and not be excited about it can you do that kind of i mean i feel like you have to like yeah i mean i was the same way with mississippi girl like I separated myself from it. The yeah. whole the whole process from Faith liking it to saying she was going to record it to her actually recording it to it actually being a single. In my mind, I was like, ah, whatever, you know. And I kind of got there with laid back, you know. I think you know in the first five ten minutes we're listening to the song. I wanted to go like shout it from the rooftops, <laughs> you know. But when I got out on the floor, I'm like, okay, all right, this is just another song. This is another song on the record, and I'm going to rock it out. I like how everybody, like, when some of the band gets cuts on Jason's record, and they're in there playing it, and everybody's like, hey, man, good song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You know, I, I like how everybody downplays <laughs> it. Like, like yeah. it ain't a big deal. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. just another song. You know, whatever. Well, you know. I'll tell you the flip side, the sucky part, and you may not remember. You probably do remember this. Uh, the This would be good for the listener to hear. The complete other side is there was another song of mine. I think it was uh, something American or whatever. And you told me, you said, Jason's not going to want to sing that one lyric. And I'm like, ah, whatever. 
yeah he will <laughs> and, and I remember it was down to we were going to record one more song and he was choosing literally in front of me the disc is sitting <laughs> there on the table there's my song that I wrote with David Lee Murphy I believe and Shane Minor um, and um, this other song and he's like fingering back and forth between the two songs. He's like, well, I don't know. It's a bit of a, and I'm sitting there going, come on, come on. Rolling the it's like I'm rolling the dice and boom, he doesn't cut mine. And I'm like, so that's the other side of it. Oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> and it was because that one line. Yeah. Probably. No. <laughs> probably was. Because he didn't want to sing that line. He didn't want to sing that line. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, looking at your body of work and the projects you've been on, I mean, of course, Aldine, Big and Rich. And you go to um, Jake Cohen. You go to Luke Bryan, Toby Keith, and then Marie Osmond. <laughs> well, that's just Nashville. <laughs> so, what was that like? Well, she wasn't there. That honestly, that was a hey, we got to cut this song for Marie Osmond. Here's the demo, or here's Bummer. the tracks we're adding, and to you know, so that that was the complete Nashville machine of of Marie Osmond needs a song cut, and they want to cut it with Nashville players. Of course, she can't be here, and and did was she Don, end up did Donnie show? I don't even know if the producer was there. I want to oh. I want to say I want to <laughs> say the producer had trust in whoever the band leader was, and it yeah. may have been might have been Ilya, maybe I, I don't remember. I mean, did that song ever get released? I think so. Oh well, well I mean the the, the compilation of yeah. work the cd got released i'm gonna start doing that i'm gonna start saying just not show up. adam you cut the next i trust you mm-hmm. you cut the uh, next jason record uh, give me the files and i'll produce it you're not yeah. getting any more money I'd be like uh no or credit <laughs> <laughs> no extra money or credit just do no it. <laughs> i said what's different than no yeah <laughs> knox country podcast edition <laughs> Some of you know me as a record producer for acts like Jason Aldean and Thomas Rhett. Others know me as the son of rock and roll legend Buddy Knox, party doll fame, back in 1957. I'm Michael Knox. Welcome to my world. You're listening to Knox Country. Hey, this is Keith Urban. What's up, y'all? It's your boys here, Florida Georgia Line. Hey, this is Little Big Town. And you're listening to Knox Country. You've entered Knox Country. Welcome back to the Knox Country Podcast. But how do you like the production world oh i love it you know katie and i have a studio in the house now and katie your your better half my, now my please way give better her props. Half, my yeah. wife katie what's uh, katie's old last name uh, uh no, it's but, still cook but it's cook schoenfeld so oh, has hyphen? she hyphenated or she just it's, is not using it it's she's using it really <gasps> good I think, for you I think, yours, I think your last name should come first we, we were gonna do show and cook <laughs> I think you should be called Adam Cook. I, you know, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Second yeah. life. Your you wife is yeah. gorgeous and very lovely. She's sweet, she's, sweet. She's amazing, lady. Uh, but we're doing. You know, we got the studio, and and you know, so producing for me is everything from the duo her and I are doing to my rock band to Digital Brains is my rock band, um, which is a trio: Corey Boys and and Danny Falo on bass. Corey Boys is a drummer, um, and Suncat is my duo with katie so how did those come about uh the thing with katie came together real naturally we just you know we're in a relationship we started writing songs together um and the first handful of them just kind of came out of nowhere you know and 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 it was kind of it was kind of magical you know Mm -hmm. for lack of a better adjective yeah um 
so and we just love making music together and and we finally did our first performance in front of people like a week ago and it was like oh wow we can do this where was that awesome at just at a church down in brentwood in the in the in the yard under the when, trees when you, know? you awesome. go into a church do you like burn anywhere? i do burn yes <laughs> i didn't want to say it i was thinking the exact same well, thing we didn't have to but... walk into the church <laughs> and i i had actually walked into that church before because it was my kids uh, uh daycare so i had been in there and i wore flame retardant yes clothes until i realized i wouldn't burn <laughs> so. but yeah so we're we're having a great time doing that and and my rock band that thing that, You've been songs, doing that a long time. Well, I've been writing the song, working on songs for years, you know, and we're not doing all those songs anymore. But, but it made it come together, and it's like a true rock band. It's it's rock trio, Foo Fighters inspired, um, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, you know. Um, That's cool. And it's it's been so much fun. And that again, that the first show for that too was this bundle of nerves. You know, I was so nervous. It was like I played in front of. 40,000 people before yeah. you know I'm about to come out on stage in front of 75 people and I'm ready to vomit um, so is it different with you being up front as opposed to you sort of being the support where it, you can it, well it was on those particular the first shows where you get nervous and I came out on that stage and it was amazing and it went so well and as soon as we we're done I'm like let's do it again right now yeah, yeah. Um, were you more so, nervous for her maybe uh, yes you know yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I back her up no. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> no no she was no, 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 but, Suncat but, yeah yeah well yeah. Suncat is pretty even you yeah. know we're we're doing a, I mean but we're... you want it you want it you want her to do well now it's a it's a different kind of partnership oh yeah we yeah. have I think us dating when we started dating made our our own personal things we wanted to do more clear and and gave us the confidence to do it because i i've all through the years i mean half the reason i think i turned down the duo idea with jason was part of me it was part partly because of the big and rich thing and i was involved in that but it was also partly because i'm i I think i've been had that fear of being that you know when i was younger it was like oh i don't want to do that i've seen what these guys go through why do i want to do that but as soon as Katie and I got together, it was like, well, shit, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, of course, now I'm old, but. No, no but good. she was in a band before, right? Yeah. Reno. Yeah. Reno yeah. back back in maybe 10, 15, well, 10. It was 15 at least years ago. Um, so is it like a Captain and Tennille moment? Or? <laughs> it's more like Sonny and Cher. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but no, it's great. It's great. And I, I love doing both, both things. And the thing is, you know what? I think. I think something can happen from both of them, even mm-hmm. if it's the smallest thing. Yeah. And with, well, something already has happened. It's made me, I think having these bands has made me a better producer. Like I'm working on some tracks for more of our genre uh, at home right now, and I hadn't in a while, and they're sounding better. And I don't know if it's, yeah. I don't know exactly why, but just having that that creative space right downstairs to go to every day, it's like, oh, when, like you said, the, the more yeah, the more you're doing it, yeah, you know, too, yeah. Well, let's go back a little bit, and you know, you're you're doing a lot of sessions, you're playing a lot mm-hmm. of things. You know, is there a moment when you're riding in the car one day and your songs popping on the radio, a song, mm-hmm. something where you're like, "Holy crap! I didn't know I would ever be here." Oh, it happened on the way here. Yeah. Yeah. Which it was, song? Uh, Drowns the whiskey. Oh yeah? Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 It came on. I'm like, oh shit. Because you've played on me. every Aldean album. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it it gets old for some people, like my daughter. I remember 
walking her into the uh, orthodontist and we sit down there's a Jason song playing <laughs> and I looked at her and she looks at me like shakes her head like really dad <laughs> I didn't even I, say anything to I think her. he sets it up like subconsciously because I can go anywhere and it's yeah. like I'll hear an Aldine song I'm yeah. like I can't get away from you yeah. Michael Knox <laughs> and then you know I've been on so much not to brag but I've been on so much now that stuff mm-hmm. will come on and I'll be like is that me yeah Did I play no you've asked me, me that before did I play on this song yeah well it's gotten to the point you know it used to when it's new and you haven't done it as much you know what you played on yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. the but age then, I think it's yeah, just then, your well, age then it's, you know it's like anything it's like <laughs> this sounds really cocky and I don't mean it to sound cocky but when you've gotten to do this as much as we've gotten to do it and we're very lucky to have been doing it this long it feels like brushing your teeth sometimes yeah. in this town yeah you know and that's why a song might come on you played on that you you're not sure if it's even you well, well you the know? thing that i love about you is is you didn't some some musicians do this some don't you know you didn't get we talked about this a lot mm-hmm. but you didn't get lost in the demo world right. you didn't let it you didn't let it stifle your creativity because that's the thing that can happen around here some people play yeah. too much and then it's a robot right you know and i think and i think you staying out of the demo world as a way of life you know and staying in the master world and going on the road mm-hmm. i think that's what kept that edge and i think that's what people forget about is Sometimes being in the demo world is cool. You make great money, but it really stifles your creativity because you know you're just you. going through the motions. Yeah, you can definitely and, get you know. Numb. But you kept it in on. I have to be on today. You know. Yeah. You know. Now you do do demos. I, I know yeah. this, but I mean, but it's not like some of these other cats that yeah. are doing four sessions a day, wearing it out and doing their. And there's a group of them that do that, and and, right. and I feel sorry for them because they don't get to have your path where. Where you're a rock god. I mean, you're, you're a rock god in my world. I mean, you're the main guy. You're the ah, first thanks. guy I call. You know, whenever somebody says, "Who's the best guitar player?" You know, I name Adam Schoenfeld. Period, hands down. Thank and you. and you're the best live player I've ever seen. You're the best, you know, uh, studio guy I've ever been in the room with. Stop. You know. No, and he he put yeah. <laughs> you know, I, and, as Adam's wanting, you know, motioning for more compliments. But I mean, he he always goes for it. Like come uh, award season mm-hmm. you know you're always that first one he's he wants yeah. so bad probably just as much as you to get that you know uh acm for uh best hey, you guitar you you yes. you and kurt allison are my favorite live guys yeah and you're my favorite both guy live yeah. and studio well, you know I appreciate that but 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 you know you come off the stage with a very big presence and and I love that you can bring that in the studio, and I think that that's what makes the difference in my records. Cool. Well, I appreciate that. I uh, I love you too, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, it's Shalacy. Check us out on the web at knoxcountry360.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at knoxcountry360. Do you see that in your progression? Well, that because you might not have. You did get in demo world for a while, and um, but you got out of it. Thank God you got some gigs out on the road to pull you out of that. No, like before I took the McGraw gig. Well, or, or, let's go back even further. Big and Rich gig. I'm ready to quit that. Jason asked me to go on the road, but I said ah, I don't want to be on the road. I'm getting off the road, you know. So I get really entrenched in the session world, but then I get tired of it, 
you know, because it starts to burn you out. And that makes me go back on the road with Tim. Yeah. You know, and now seven years into Tim, I'm like, I need a, a light year. Give me a light year. Like this year was so light. So now I'm like, yeah. So each, you get frustrated with each one. And I think that hell, if you don't get frustrated with each one, I think that's the problem. Yeah. That's what causes what you're talking about. I think, yeah. I think if, if you're cool, if you can just sit there and do the same thing over and over again, it's gonna, you know, you there's some cats that, like, look at like somebody like Mike Rojas. You know, he's cool doing the same thing every day. He rocks and he's always badass, you know. But I think in other cases it can it can kill somebody and maybe those are the people that get yeah. frustrated but don't know how to leave it. Yeah, but but, but I know? think those are the artists. Mhm. Maybe. The artists yeah. are the ones that are getting frustrated and want to do more. But um but I love that. Uh, I love the intensity that you bring to my sessions, you yeah. know. And the yeah, I just, that, that, I just always want to kill it, man. I just always want it to be awesome. Yeah. You well, know? you are. Well, thanks, thanks. Yeah, I just, it's got to be. I mean, I, I, I don't ever. If I feel like I'm playing something I've played before, it frustrates me. I don't want to play something I've played before. All right. Well, we've talked about, you know, kind of something that turns you on. You heard on the radio, but what's the, what's the first one? that you heard on the radio that you played and you were like oh man i sound awesome <laughs> or what? or hey, this is horrible <laughs> well you know what Bef- even before big and rich i mean the first huge release was big and rich save a horse rider cowboy and yeah you, that wasn't you know, big at all yeah, yeah, yeah you know and i was in the video it. and it was a big deal and we you know of course you know we're young and we think it's a band and of course it's john and kenny it's you know they got the record deal. they split it six ways <laughs> you know? um, yeah exactly right. um, but the Lovejoy stuff was that Lovejoy stuff was great did you hear it on you the know? radio Lightning 100 that's awesome played it. so Lightning 100 played that stuff and Disco Ball was our big song with Lightning 100 um, and this other song I can't think of the title right now but I remember that you know that was like wow I'm on the radio it was the local station, but it was Nashville. It was pretty cool. Yeah. You know? But definitely, you know, you go the step further. When it was Save a Horse, it was like, okay, wow, people are really talking about this, not just in Nashville. Well, I remember the first time I, I was um, I was driving home from somewhere. I, it might have been Soundcheck, and I knew they were going to play Hicktown. Mm. So I pulled off into the Titans football stadium mm-hmm. just to hear it. And um, and it came on, and I was like, "Man, this is horrible. This sounds horrible. It don't sound nothing like the cut, you know, because the cut's so clear, yeah. and your guitar's hard right, you yeah. know, and and, the, and it's just coming through. And then the '98 WSIX, whatever it was, was playing it. And it was just all distorted, the radio and, you know, compression, blah, blah, blah. and all that. Yeah. And I was like, going, well, you know. So I was real nervous first time I heard it, but but come the solo, I just drove off. And as I got around the corner, it cleared up a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, hey, this sounds pretty good, yeah. you know, coming around the corner. So I was just in a bad spot. So I remember yeah. the first time I was like, oh, God, this sounds horrible. Yeah. But your guitar was so loose and so so off the cuff. I remember I got more phone calls and more conversations about that than 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 any recording I had done as a first take up, yeah. up until She's Country. Yeah, and then when we did "She's Country," which you played, mm-hmm. um, got the same reactions. Like, man, you got to replace these guitars, and we're like, no, because the only reason Hicktown made it through is the first time we went and played it at the label, they didn't have their right speaker plugged up. 
And it was funny. <laughs> we were listening to it, and it was the fiddle, drums, bass, everything up the middle and the left. So steel, all that stuff was in there, but the hard right was unplugged, so they didn't hear the electric. And they were like, this is incredible. And I'm like, something's missing, you know, because I remember, because <laughs> it catches you off guard. It's right. your first big thing. And... um and about after the first verse, I go, man, the guitar's not here. So I didn't say anything because they were loving it. So, you know, I, I was like going, are oh, they going to like it when they hear that electric? Because I remember I got a phone call just think, thinking it was way too aggressive, I didn't know the that. electric. That's awesome. Oh, it was great. And, and, well, and you know what's funny is that that specific guitar tone is not that aggressive. No. You know, and I, I've seen people online going, oh, it's a Les Paul with a Marshall. And I'm like, that's a Strat through a fender amp with a tube screamer it's one of the smallest rock sounds yeah even though it's big it but was at that big time at there was us. Yeah, nothing yeah. like that well, on the radio also, let me sidestep here before i forget to say this you know my guitar playing you get credit for some of that too oh i appreciate you know it. because i wish people could see the way that we do it in here when we're doing a record the way you and i work together and what it's become and how we know each other is so freaking cool you know it's partly because of that that I can go to other sessions and people go, yeah, that was good, whatever you just played because you're Adam and you played something cool. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, I appreciate I, that. I, I think I get that respect from other people because a lot in response to what we do here. Well, I know? genuinely just, just think so. we're, we're fans of the same... We want our guitars to sound the same. Yeah. And we've just... I got lucky finding a guy mm -hmm. who likes what I like. I like it when he looks at me and says things like that. <laughs> this is getting really and, awkward. And you can just play what I'm hearing. And, and, and I love that. But, but yeah. you know, people go through a lot of teams like that. And you try to find those guys. Yeah. I mean, you're in here tracking when we track and you got to admit that our band plays like they're live hell yeah and you know and there are other sessions that do those things and that's cool but yeah. you know it, it's what works for us you yeah. know but hands down you know to me the the baddest guitar player in town is you and and i love that I, but i don't even know what half those guitars are you bring in i'm always <laughs> Dude, like because hey, i sold them all next time it's gonna be a whole bunch of new great ones. I, I, great i'm sure your sound will be awesome yeah, be hey play the play the maroon one get yeah. out that white one <laughs> play this one. i don't even know the names of them yeah. and you'll pull out some, you know whatever but um you know i always look forward to the overdub process of what yeah, we it's do. fun well adam i appreciate you being here man love you guys great fan adam schoenfeld record producer monster guitar guide cool man songwriter rock on knox country thanks for joining us on this episode of the knox country podcast special thanks go out to co-host mr lacy griffin and producer donnie walker see you next time Knox Country Outtakes. What's so bad is that, like, our memory, it's our so short-term memory is gone. You Dude. can repeat something I said to you when we cut Hicktown yeah. 12 years ago, yeah. and, and a whole paragraph, and then just five seconds ago, this is Adam? <laughs> Adam say toothpick, huh? <laughs> Two, Tuesday. Oh, no. Okay. Hey, y'all. <laughs> See? <laughs> yeah, it ain't so easy hey, now. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> How about that? Hey, did you play on Jordan Davis? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> Damn. She ever singles you up. She's there. Damn. Do you hear that? You hear those guitars? Yeah, that's me. This is Adam Schoenfeld. Hey, Adam. <laughs> did you play on Kick the Dust Up? 
by Luke Bryan? <laughs> yes, I did. This is Cool Guitars. <laughs> Let's play that one, gang. Hey, this is Adam Schoenfeld, and you're listening to Knox. Wait a minute. Knox has a radio show? What the? Knox Country. Podcast Edition. <laughs>